Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tell me your tales. Thanks for joining us again on the podcast. This is the Road to Berlin, and it's the second last edition before race day. Uh, big chat this week. It goes for about 90 minutes. We have a special guest on in Josh Harris. We talk about him most weeks, weeks on the podcast, so it's actually good to hear his voice and, yeah, talk us through a few of the things about the start line of the Berlin Marathon and, yeah, a few jokes in there. As always, when Josh is on the show, a few people have been asking for two podcasts a week, but... It's just not possible to do uh, two Road to Berlin's a week, but this is a bit of a longer show. It goes for about 90 minutes, so I hope you enjoy it. Our plan going forward, because we will go overseas this week, is to record the last show before race day on Thursday, and then we'll release that early next week of race week. So, um, yeah, just be tuned and probably follow along on our Facebook Tell Me Your Tales page if you want to keep up to date with what's happening. And... Yeah, it's, um, it's coming to an end quite quickly, but I hope you've enjoyed the journey that you've been on with us the last 10 or 12 weeks or whatever it's been. Cheers, guys. Enjoy this chat. Alright boys, here we are for the second last time. Um, just under two weeks to go to the Berlin Marathon. Thanks for joining me again. No, Good to be back. Nice. Week of flight. Yeah. Yeah, well it's uh I guess you get to talk about running, you don't get to do too much, Brad, but it's good always having you near for the chat talking about it. Yeah, and no, I enjoy it. Travel week this week as well, got your passports? Oh, yeah. Everything's sorted. I'm sorted. Everything's sorted. Race kit organized, Julian. All printed. Back from the printers. Everyone's fresh. No wearing it beforehand. You're not going to wear it at all. Go straight in with a fresh one. Oh, I've already worn it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done the same, but mine's at the screen printers, and, um, yeah, they told me to come pick it up Thursday, and I'm flying out Friday, and I'm like, yeah... I'm uh, hoping you're going to have this in time here, guys. 
No, the businesses are all, they're always at least two days late. So I would actually be calling them and saying, get like, this is urgent because it's never been ready for us ever when they've said it will be. Yeah, right. Because I, uh, I did yeah, call him today. He's the mayor of, mayor of Moama. He'll be fine. Yeah, he, he probably owns that screen printer. <laughs> I did place the call today to say I'll be in town and can pick it up this afternoon. And she said, no, nah, no, nah, Wednesday, Thursday at the latest, it's all yours. It'll be sorted. But, um, yeah, no, nah, Jamie, she does a good job, the screen printer. We've, we've worked with her a few times before, and I've got my trust in her. That's got to come good, which would be right. So, um, right, yeah, let's get on to your week, Brad. Tell us about it. X-rays, MRIs, the lot. Yes, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I had a run on Wednesday, did uh, 35 minutes, and it felt pretty good. So it ran... The following, I ran the previous Sunday, had two days off, ran uh, Wednesday, still felt pretty good. Um, I had an MRI booked in on the Thursday, and I guess because I was running pain-free on the Wednesday, I sort of felt like it was going to be a bit of a waste of money, but went, it went along anyway and um, got the results back the next day, and it showed like a lot of stuff that I already knew was going on, so um, some tendonitis in the Achilles but mainly um, the paratendon not so much the actual <clears throat> Achilles itself um, showed some fluid in the fluid in the ankle some tib post stuff and some plantar fasciitis stuff but I, you know I, I don't have any pain there so it's, it's funny what stuff shows up on a scan even though you don't have any sort of symptoms um, I guess it just shows how much you sort of bang your bang your body up with running and and also this scans pretty much a month after not doing anything so um, I'd hate to see what it was like beforehand. Uh, so that was Thursday and Friday, um, and because I had a, an appointment with the sports doc um, today, uh, went out f- went out on Saturday and um, went for 45 minutes this time, and didn't feel great running, but I, I was certainly pain free, and I actually started to feel like you know things were on the up, and I might be able to run every day from here on in. And then I went out on Sunday, and I couldn't re- couldn't even run a kilometre. Um, which was just weird because I had no pain at all on Saturday during the run, after the run. Um, yeah, so I was a bit down in the dumps again on Sunday, just, you know, thinking that I'd sort of gone back a few steps. Uh, then today, so Monday, had the appointment with the sports doc and he spent a lot of time at the AIS. Um, so he's he's a really respected doctor here in Canberra. Um, it took me ages to get in and see him. I made the appointment like three weeks ago. And... Um, but he was really good and really thorough, and uh, he seems to. Because when I was there, I told him because the, the issues I've been having is it's mainly when there's pressure from the shoes. Like I can do a lot of stuff barefoot and have no pain whatsoever, no morning stiffness, as I've already sort of mentioned. And even when I was in his clinic, I did like twenty plus single leg calf raises, thirty hops on the on that dodgy leg, and no pain whatsoever. Um, so what he seems to think is that the the paratendon and around the paratendon um, to just la- just to the lateral side of the Achilles, um, he thinks that that's all sort of inflamed and then that's not reacting too well to pressure from the shoe. So he's um, suggested that I go and have a uh, cortisone under ultrasound into sort of the paratendon and that area. So I've got that Thursday. Um, yeah. And so, is that almost closed book then? Like, is that, will that sort it? Yeah, he seems to think that that'll really get rid of that inflammation. And once that happens, 
I should be fine because he said the tendon itself looks really good. There's nothing wrong with the tendon, which probably explains why there's no like morning stiffness or things like that when I run. It's just purely that that um, that paratendon's inflamed, and it's every time I run on it, it just probably gets that little bit more. Um, like for example, you know, I ran Saturday, I didn't have any pain, but I guess that running with the rubbing on the shoe just caused enough fluid to build up or whatever it is that then the next day I couldn't run at all. Um, so he's hoping that a bit of cortisone will just get rid of it completely and um, I'll be fine. But um, I'll still just, he, he suggests just to ease back into it and run sort of every second day for a little while. Yeah, right. That's, um, I know you does guys, it, um, oh, sorry, you go, Julian. Uh, well, does it frustrate you that if it is a cortisone, um, you could have had this six or eight weeks ago? Yeah, it does. It's one of those like issues that I always, every time I get injured, I, the next time I say I'm going to be more proactive in trying to get on top of it early. And um, I guess it's just hard. Like I want to go to a doctor that I respect um, and, you know, that has a really good reputation, but they're just so hard to get into. You know, as I said, yeah. I, I made this appointment three weeks ago and this was the earliest I could get in. So, um, you know, if I could have got in that day, then, yeah, it would have been, would have been completely different. Um, I was a little bit proactive in that, I made sure I went and got some scans done before I saw him because if I didn't, if I didn't um, have the scans, he would have then sent me off for scans now, and mm. I guess nothing yeah. would have happened. Before, nothing would have happened before I went away. What about what about the fact that the like the other doctor didn't consider like this specific injury? Yeah, well, um, I guess he he didn't have the scans at the time. Um, and he didn't, I guess he didn't suggest to go and get them. He just went, yeah, it's tendonitis. I'll give you a plasma injection. And I guess that, that's why I started to look for other doctors, just because he was very, you know, 15-minute appointments with him. Um, mm. And whereas today, like, I was with the guy for, like, 35, 40 minutes. He was, yeah. he was very thorough in just doing all these different exercises. And, um, like, I'm pretty happy with the diagnosis. It, it makes sense that... There's, there's nothing really wrong with the tendon because if there was, I wouldn't be able to hop on one leg. I wouldn't be able to do calf raises pain-free. It's just that there's obviously something going on with that paratendon, which then when there's some pressure on it, um, just, you know, aggravates a nerve or whatever. So, um, so yeah, fingers crossed. I'll be um, able to at least jog around when I'm in Europe. So when yeah. did you say you get that jab Thursday? That's Thursday morning, yeah, so um, probably won't do much. Uh, probably won't even run in Prague and then probably just try and jog every second day in Berlin. And um, I like my goal is to be running pretty much an hour a day by the time I get back from Europe um, because then that gives me, from that point, uh, what is it, maybe 18 weeks to Lake Biwa. So it gives me sort of eight weeks, nine weeks, just to sort of build up, get back into sort of normal routine, and then a nine-week sort of prep for Lake Biwa. So that's the that's the plan at this stage. The eyes on the Biwa prize. Yeah, well, I guess you've got to keep, you know, I guess there's no point uh, dwelling on Berlin now. I reckon that's um, healthy. Yeah, um, but as Julian said before, like, I do, every now and then I think back, to well maybe i could have got this sorted you know and not really missed much at all but if you do that as i I think i said last week you just you end up more down in the dumps thinking about it that way 
Um, yeah, you so, can't change it now. No, exactly. And I try and look at some positives in that, I guess, while I've been injured, I've been sort of focused on trying to get a job for when I get back. And I've managed to do that over the last few weeks. So um, that's a positive, which if I was running well, I probably wouldn't have, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been as proactive in that area of my life. Congratulations. Is that a school teacher? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um doing a little bit of little bit of part time work in term four when I get back and then um full time next year. Oh good work. At that Catholic school? Yeah, yeah. That's uh two two kilometers from home. Oh spot it's on. ideal. <laughs> just, mm. just power walk to work every morning, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Duck home. Boys school or girls school? Uh, co-ed. Huh? How many kids at school? Yeah, boys. Uh, 800. 800? Crikey. Yeah. So it's one of those schools where it's only, it only opened up in, like, 2012, and in 2012 it was just year seven, and, and they've added a year each year. So um, next year will be the first year that they've got seven to 12, year seven to 12. Oh, it's a secondary school. Secondary school, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. Are you teaching PE? Oh, that's all right. Um, I am in term four, but, uh, I think next year it's a bit of everything. I think it could be some junior maths and, um, yeah, a bit of PE, but it won't, it certainly won't be full-time PE. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's good life change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. That'd be good. Back beats, in the classroom. Uh, beats sit- yeah. Beats sitting behind a desk all day. Yeah. You're going to dry up a bit on the messenger. I reckon though, the, the rate you fire off, um, <laughs> Inboxes when you're at work is pretty impressive. <laughs> not got, not a mind. lot going on in his office. <laughs> you Especially can't talk. Well, Especially at the moment, I've got, got two days left. Two days left with that uh, that employer. <laughs> so they'll hear this the day after you've resigned, and you'll be right. That's all right. They good. they know they know what I'm up to. Yeah, yeah. Just working, networking. That's all good. Oh, that's good stuff, mate. So um. Oh, we'll get to it a bit later on, but what's the uh, Berlin Marathon going to look like? That's probably my next uh, big question. If you jog a bit or you walk a bit or do you start or, um, yeah, what's the kind of plans? Um, yeah, so if I'm pain-free, I, I do plan on at least, like, jogging part of it um, just because, you know, if I can run, I have to run that. I want to run that day anyway and probably makes sense to run on run on roads that are, closed and just take in the atmosphere but I certainly won't be racing um I won't be taking racing flats or anything like that uh and I guess I'm not going to make a call yet on how far I'd I'd run it would really just be dependent on how good my Achilles is feeling at the time um I couldn't see myself doing much more than 20k I just don't really see much point than pushing past that you could offer yourself uh, up as a pacemaker again yeah maybe yeah Pay pay for all my medical bills. <laughs> yeah. You could yeah, pay so that's... free free through the first half or Viv. You could run with Viv. Yeah, Viv. But yeah, I, that's an idea. Like, cause, but I'll be in that first group, so I'd have to wait. Like, I'd have to just stand on the start line until her group starts fifteen minutes later. <laughs> um, but one, one like one option I thought was maybe run run the first half of the race and then wait for Viv to come through and jump back on course and run with her for a bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's another option. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of that's uh, a good idea. See, yeah, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's good. Righty-o, Julian, over to your week after um, that scary kind of injury niggle the week before, back into full training this week. Yeah, that was um, that was pretty short-lived, that injury, which was good. It just went away straight away, basically. Um, so yeah, just respected it, followed the physio advice for us, um, as, well, <laughs> kind of followed it. Took a day of extra, I mean, ran a day earlier and basically added about 30% on to what he suggested, and it worked out fine. So I was, no one was complaining there. Um, but the, uh, the the week was good. I um, I ran on Monday, just nice and easy. Uh, um, then on Tuesday, I also just went for a, a run. Um, it's pretty average weather. Actually, sorry, no. I'm, messed up um monday i did a workout in the i think we talked about this last week though it was in uh the cemetery it's shitty weather it's awful um and it was good to get a workout in without any soreness um basically just start to 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 get my confidence back um tuesdays just went for a, a jog um in the morning i got uh went up through the hills when I woke up, though, I had a bit of a little bit of a cold that that morning. Um, woke up with a bit, bit of a, a tickly throat, and then I thought, oh no. Um, Wednesday, I also woke up with that, um, and I was a bit worried about how it was going to affect me because I, I drove down to Geelong for a workout, so about an hour down the road. I really wanted to to get away from the the nasty wind and rain because it was pretty bad last week down, down in Ballarat. So um, Geelong was still really windy, but it wasn't as wet on that day. It was it was quite nice if you um if you're out of the wind. So I ran on the Barwon River, which it's about as good as you can get for for escaping the wind in um in the, in Geelong. So. It, it, there are some exposed spots, but there's also some little corners and pockets that you can get out of it. Um, and I ran 20k, uh, basically just as a as a lot. This was going to be a long run slash workout, so my first section was just 20k, pretty easy. Um, I ran with Blake, um, a mate from Geelong, and also I did Ali Ali okay, Ali Pashley now. She. She did her workout, so we ran a few K with her to warm up, wash, um, and then she did her work, workout, and then we cooled down as well with her to get the 20. Um, then Blake, he jumped on a bike, rode with me for 15K tempo, um, which was uh, it was pretty good. I was really I was happy with it by the end because I did feel a bit fluey when I was doing it, um, and it was just – like I got some really solid headwind at certain spots. Like I think one of my splits was around three thirty or something. Um, yeah, so that was that was pretty nasty wind, and it, it was really good for me because it, it, it there's a chance it could be like that at Berlin. So you really have to just relax and not stress about what's going on um, on your watch, and and that's good. For, like it was a good little practice just to think, all right, my average pace is blowing way out. This K is going to be slow. It's it's all going to come together when we turn the corner though. Um, so 
in the past I probably would have fought through that that K a little bit harder, ran too hard, and and turned the the tempo into more of a a race like a almost race effort type hard beat yourself up workout. So yeah, I was happy with that. I finished quite well, like quite strongly, but that was really because I had the tailwind behind me. Um, so all those last few K is a little deceptive. That's probably more around the 315 to 320 effort. So I think it was actually really consistent. The, all those splits show a pretty, um, <laughs> pretty inconsistent run. It was a nice even tempo. So that was 15K and that, that went quite well. I was happy there. Uh, next day, or oh, that was late, later that night, took Run Club out to uh, Mona Hill course. So those guys got to see the um, the hill course, which was pretty cool. Was, everyone was keen on that. Um, and then just basically jogging each day until Sunday when I I ran um, a longish run. So I, I, I did 20K with Bree just around the Anglesey bush. Um, it was hillier than I kind of expected. And, and I did five by one minute on, I mean, 10 by one minute on, one minute off um, on the flatter stuff to finish. And uh, I, I had the, I've had the flu since probably Wednesday. So none of the runs were, were uh, feeling great. And, and those actually didn't feel very good either because I was so fluey. But <clears throat> woke up this morning feeling the best I've felt in a week. And uh, I reckon I'm on the right side of it. That's good. That's good. I like what you said about that. Um, not worrying about your watch and just going on effort levels, especially when it's windy and stuff. Some pretty. I wouldn't expect anything less from the wise man himself. Oh well. You agree uh, with that, Brad? You know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's got a like. If he was a cyclist, it sounds like he's got a pretty good uh, built-in power meter. Yeah. Where he just you know just sticks to the uh, same watts regardless of what the wind and the weather's doing. So, yeah, I, it's, just, it's smart, smart thing to do. Um, uh, I, I, guess, I, guess, little, I, I guess, and that's probably why you run um, uh, Great Ocean Road Marathon so well, because it's not, you know, it's not flat and there's hills there. It's the same sort of thing. You know, if you're running up a hill, you just, you're not going to run the same pace as you are on the flat. So you need to just run the effort, not, not the pace. Yeah, it's it's been a long time like for me to learn that, and so it, I think it comes down again to confidence, like having a little bit more self confidence that late in the run you're going to pick the, the the average pace back up again. So if you see that average pace drop right down, in the past I would have thought, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to to get this back again. I can't let it drift out too far. But these days I think that's eh, all good. This wind is so strong in my face i'm going to get it on my tail and it's all going to be fine and um yeah that probably just <laughs> so many failed workouts from not doing that that it's just started to come together and that's like I, uh, brain training stuff like positive thinking and you know what i mean i've been reading up getting ready for this week's show about all this mental stuff and you know to not beat yourself up when you ran that 329k and know that you have it in you and once you hit the tailwind you're going to be fine yeah, yeah, and I had Blake on the bike, and he was sort of like looking at his watch, and I could I could see that he was sort of thinking, oh, it's getting slow, and um, I, I wasn't caring 
and and he was like, oh, it's okay. You'll get it. You'll get it back on the other side. And I'm like, yeah, I I know it's all good. Like, don't don't stress. We're we're going all right. Was he in front of you or next to you? Next to me, of course. <laughs> he tried to get in front of me, and I said, no, no, you're not allowed. <laughs> Someone did write in. I think it was Shane from Richmond wondering, um, he sent this through to my inbox, wondering why whenever you have bike pacemakers, you always have to travel to get someone to help you out on the bike. He was a bit worried you didn't have anyone in the local community in Ballarat willing to help you out. Yeah, I probably don't. Who would want to go out and ride around here in the rain and cold? Because where were you in um, Hall's Gap or something last time you had a bike pacer? You don't have them that often, but when you do, you're out of town. Yeah, I I couldn't get – I don't think anyone's ever biked. Oh, maybe Dan, my mate Dan did it like a couple of years ago or something. But, yeah, it's not a bike place. Everyone runs. No one was willing to give up their long run for, to bike. <laughs> yeah, true. True, true. <laughs> um, but it felt all right? Like you felt like you – did you practice drinks and stuff on as well? No, not really. Um, no, nah, it's – I just – I had a gel in between um, in between my easy run and my workout. Uh, the the drink stuff, like I've done a lot of marathons and I've done them all the same way, and it's it's always worked for me. So I use the same product, the same amount of water, the same timing every every race. So I'm confident about that. I don't feel like I need to like work out the specifics of it anymore because I, I know it yeah i know it works for me anyway i said that to someone during the week about how you're a marathon veteran how many marathons have you run oh i, I don't know i've done a lot but they Probably don't seem like, to scare you like you've just yeah you're a machine at marathons i've blown up in 90 percent of them honestly <laughs> there's only a few that i actually have positive memories about um it again that's taken me a long time to work out and i think the marathon is something that you you learn you might have well didn't take jeff hunt very long to learn but most guys it takes a few marathons to get right yeah that's what i'm banking on for this one just get better yeah every time. i reckon exactly you and josh harris like it would have been brad as well like you guys would have been primed to nail these ones and i mean josh did on his but it didn't happen for him immediately, that's for sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a pretty solid week. Um, what are you doing moving forward? Like, is that two weeks out yesterday? You got any big stuff to come? Not big stuff. I've got to work out Wednesday, Sunday, short, long run, a little bit of workout, and then Wednesday, uh, next week, do a bit of a workout. So three runs where I'll put different shoes on, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you got out and listened to Cornsy on one of those Tell Me a Tale um, episodes for your jogs. I did, actually, yeah. He's pretty happy with how he's going, isn't he? <laughs> he's going all right. You follow him on strong. I know. He's smashing stuff. I, I, I did after that. He did his long run yesterday at the same pace I did mine. I think we both averaged 408s for 30K. He's, um, he's fine. He's going well. Yeah, that that would. Uh, that's one of the. Um, we've discussed this i think before about how uh oh well you might have discussed it with him on the actual on the on the podcast but the fit guys from footy they were the guys that were still winning the the cross-country races in high school 
Like they would they would come from footy season and they would come over and smash everyone in cross country and go back and play footy. So they probably just made a better decision to, to go on and actually earn money than the runners did. Yeah, I bet you he wouldn't have had to wait for three weeks to get in with a doctor, Brad. No, no. Yeah. So, does, yeah, little things like that do make a difference. Bloody oath. You can get treatment straight away. So maybe I need to move down to... Uh, Moama and be num- number two, number two big dog. Well, last time I spoke about our medical system, Julian bagged it out. That's where the Aubrey joke come from, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> um, I might just jump, Julian, with your the week that you've just done, I guess my, my two comments were um, since being, like, did you modify anything by being sick, were you? Did you have another big sort of session planned, or you you did exactly what you wanted to do um, this week? You just didn't feel great doing it. Yeah, that that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my other comment was knowing that you were sort of sick or well well on the way to being sick. Was there the thought of maybe dropping out of Run Club on Wednesday night? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, because no, like I heard that you were a bit crook, and then I saw you did that session, and then I saw again on Strava that you went out that afternoon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this that? is <laughs> this is how that played out. At um, run clubs at six o'clock, and I sent a message to Bree at five thirty saying, "Hey, I don't think I should run. I'm feeling pretty sick." And she said, "Oh well, I don't know where to go. So what's okay, you're gonna have to run." And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go and run then. That's how that played out. <laughs> so there was no option. To give. And I said, oh, here's a course that you could take them on if you wanted um, and send her a map. And she's like, no, no, that's not an option. So, yeah, there's not much, not much sympathy here. <laughs> so if, so if, you, if you are deteriorated through like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it would have been Bree's fault? Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I, I kind of, I didn't really actually. I, I Scott Stacy, he's a guy, he's a fellow who listens to the show, and he's um he gets into some of the training that we get into. He sent me, he saw that I was sick, and he, he is like a um, fanatic for immunity boosting stuff. After our um, podcast on immunity, I feel like I have some better answers now after talking to Scott. <laughs> he um he got me on about sixteen different supplements and his main thing is um i started eating raw garlic so uh cloves of garlic and the first time like i was apparently the way that it works is it has a property called allicin in it a-l-l-i-c-i-n and it's like a antibiotic has antibiotic properties and it's great great for the flu and colds and um so I put a clove of garlic in my mouth and chewed on it because the allicin doesn't get released unless you actually crush the garlic. So it has to react with the air. Um, so, yeah, I, I chewed this garlic uh, and it was one of the most foul things I've ever done in my life. It was it was horrendous. And it was the worst, like you're just in this constant state of unpleasantness for about 12 hours after you do it. So the next night, I um, I just swallowed it whole. This was before I knew you had to crush it, and so I just <laughs> put it down and swallowed it whole. I didn't, <laughs> and then read it, read all the internet stuff, and thought, oh, that didn't work. 
Um, so I've worked out how to do it and I've been doing it twice a day now. Crush a clove, put it on a spoon with honey and just suck the honey off the spoon and the clove of garlic goes with it. And it's, it sucks, but it's, I'm trying everything. It's come good. You get any messages off Scott Stacey about these advice, Brad? Nah. Nah, neither am I. Cheers, Scott. Playing favourites. <laughs> you guys aren't sick. Why would you need to know about immunity? I'll take anything I can get as well at this stage. Yeah, well, my other mate, he directed me to a website called uh, peptidesdirect.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, you've got a bad calf. Check this out. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. pretty dodgy. Pretty it's, dodgy it's, stuff. You basically you can um, you can apply to get uh, like illegal peptides, um, all sorts of HGH and shit. Straight like there's a doctor that works um, that signs the prescriptions um, like off online or whatever. All you have to do is put in your symptoms. And then they sent, like they sign it off and they send it to you in two or three days. You get these drugs show up in the mail in a, like a freezer bag with a bunch of syringes and you're just supposed to start injecting yourself. And you can actually do that legitimate, like on the internet. In Australia? In Australia, Australian company. Yeah, right. Sketchy. Oh, it's, it's, it's so dodgy. Um, it's... It's pretty expensive, obviously, when they're running a racket like this. You'd have to pay that doctor a fair bit, I reckon. Mm. Um, but that was scared the shit out of me is how, like, accessible um, some of these supplements, well, illegal supplements are. Yeah, scary stuff, isn't it? Makes you wonder. Um, mm. Right, yeah, that's a solid week. What kind of mileage did you hear for the week? Uh, 155, about 100 miles, just under. Good, good. Lots of easy running. On the better side of that um, cold as well. Things are looking good for you. Yeah, well, it's just, yeah, well, we both know get to the race. Um, Get to the start line and the the work's all done. We all know it. It's just don't. There's plenty of ways you can fuck up your race from here on in, but there's nothing you'll do that'll make it better. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think I had to remember that this morning. Like, we had pretty relatively small weeks compared to a few other guys running Berlin, and it made me kind of question if we should have been pushing the envelope a bit the last couple of days. But just in reflection and a bit of a chat we had on that messenger this morning, it made me think that all the hard work's done and we probably don't need to do much more. And we've probably put a good 10 weeks together, and that's the important thing. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good call. That's how I like it. Mm. Um, I'll whiz through my week. It was pretty similar to yours, so I was on my absorb week. So just easy jogging Monday, Tuesday. Super windy up here as well, as you were talking about before. And um, yeah, just kind of you know, thirteen, sixteen k jogs with strides in there to try and tick the legs over. Uh, so sixteen k Tuesday night, sixteen k Wednesday morning, which was good. Sun's coming up nice and early now, so getting out at kind of 5.30 is not really much of a hassle anymore mentally. Um, Thursday, I did my kind of session for the week, which was, yeah, it didn't really go really well. It was a 5K tempo at kind of marathon pace and then 5 by 500s. And um, 
got it all done. Like hit everything at pace, which I was meant to do, but it just didn't come that easily. Like I just felt super sluggish and it was pretty windy and cold. And yeah, one of those, probably the complete opposite to what I've been experiencing in sessions the last few weeks where I've kind of been looking down at the stopwatch and feeling feeling good and feeling like I'm perceived efforts pretty low and um, the times are kind of just rolling out. Whereas this week it kind of felt a bit harder than usual, but Going back over my training the last, probably the last six weeks, every Thursday on my absorb week has been pretty ordinary. And you can probably um, remember I was talking about maybe weeks I did like six by 400 and they just felt really hard with the 200 meter float and I'd kind of do them in 11 or 12 minutes and I'd be kind of pretty cooked after those 11 and 12 minutes. So it was good to be able to look back on the program and see that that's how I've been feeling um, on that Thursday, which is good going forward to know that I feel sluggish after two big weeks and um, four kind of easy jogging days. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a kick in the guts because everything else was going pretty well in training but didn't kind of dwell on it too much and just moved on. Uh, got out for an easy 12K. Oh, I got a massage on Thursday Arvo too, so I think that helped me get out and um, just flush a bit of stuff around my legs and... My masseuse, Jay, does a good job and, yeah, probably spent an hour on the board and he kind of sorted me out. And then Friday felt really good in my jog and then Saturday I had a 10K. Um, well, it wasn't a time trial. It was more of a just kind of a, I think the coach taught, said a controlled hard effort were the words he used. So it wasn't going out there and seeing how fast I could run 10K, just kind of getting up on my toes and working along and making it hard for myself but without dipping into that extra gear and really trying to kick it and and see how fast you can run 10k so I did this two weeks out from Berlin last year and he told me not to really focus on last year's time but that was the first thing I did go to Strava and check exactly what I ran last year (laughs) because um yeah I liked it and I went to exactly the same spot and yeah it was pretty similar similar setup but Last year I ran 30.52 and I remember being pretty happy with that leading into Berlin and this year had um, two guys on the bike as well. So Brett Sands, who's he's been on the podcast before, maybe episode about 15. He's a, he's a world champion water skier from back in the day and he's a pretty handy triathlete now and he'd just come back from being overseas for three months in America with his family. So usually he'd help me out heaps in training but has kind of missed a lot of this being out of town. But is probably the most meticulous pacemaker that you can find on a bike and really kind of encouraging, not that the other guys aren't, but he's just really stick to the plan, stick to the plan kind of guy, which is fantastic to have for a pacer on the bike. And the plan going in, I kind of said, I you know think I could run 31 dead and that would be hard but controlled. So I just told him kind of trying to keep the bike at 306s and it was a bit windy, so I sat behind him, uh, probably for about two and a half k of the um of the ten k, and then was um next to him kind of the rest of the time, which was good fun and yeah, just I went in probably lacking a bit of confidence after that session on Thursday, but at the same time I knew that you know having that session behind me I should be able to run reasonably well, and I was thinking back to that twelve by one k that I did the other week in two fifty eight. So on paper three oh five three oh sixes should should have felt pretty comfortable and um I was happy that when I started I just locked into that kind of 305 306 and it just felt really smooth and um yeah I kind of went to went to put in a bit of a surge at 
7K and Tim, the other guy on the bike, I reminded them before to just tell me not to get too... Uh, I'm the kind... I get a bit of white line fever sometimes, so I'm the guy that likes to finish off sessions really strong and kind of get a bit of a confidence booster from that. But when I was in a good state beforehand, I just said, you know, make sure you remind me at 7K not to do anything crazy and kick it down. So they were pretty quick to remind me at 7K and then at about 2K to go. Um just to keep things under wraps and keep it under control. So it was really good and it was good to finish a session not gritting your teeth and kind of trying to grind every single possible inch that you could out. Um, so I think in the end I ran 30.47, which was identical to the time I ran at Albert Park about five weeks mm. ago. So um, definitely wasn't as windy, windy as Albert Park, but I probably didn't have that competitive kind of um, spur on kind of effect which I had at Albert Park and um, yeah I remember at Albert Park I was running my guts out in that last 500 metres making sure you weren't going to catch me Julian whereas there was no um, digging deep in this one at all it was kind of switch off and sit on the back of the tyre for a while um, so that was a good sign I was I was really happy with that and a good confidence booster again and then yesterday I had 2010 out at the forest in um, Barmer which was good so just just switched off and it was a nice sunny day and averaged 408s for that and I think that was at about 137 heart rate average which was which was good I was just trying to trying to keep it comfortable and it's interesting the perspective of like going out for a two hour 10 run at this stage of the marathon blocks like a piece of cake like there's not much to it at all whereas seven weeks ago that was your longest run for the build-up and it was kind of a bit of a challenge to get it done so it was good just knowing that we're at the end of this marathon block and being able to enjoy the weather and the fitness is there and you can kind of just yeah jog along out in the bush and enjoy the experience of um yeah being so close to the marathon. So that was my week. So even though it was meant to be an easy week, I think I still hit about 150, um, which yeah was probably a bit higher than we anticipated, but we'll probably just ease things back a bit more than we were planning to this week. So um. Yeah, good good week for me. Very happy with where I'm at, and yeah, probably glad that session was a bit sluggish on Thursday, so we can identify that I don't feel great after having four days of jogging. So not to make that same mistake going into Berlin, need to keep the legs ticking over more than just strides. I think. All right, so I've got I've got some questions, comments. Um, firstly, Thursday, mm. like, why do you think you should feel good? running 500 meter reps when you've been doing marathon training yeah but i've i've done some sharper stuff though like i've ran you know i did 400s in 68 the other week those 1k as i was doing those 12 by 1k like i was going through the first 500 of those in you know 128 129 and feeling like i was jogging so when i was kind of working a lot and hitting 127 i was just like yeah, it just felt rough. It was probably more that the 5K, that the 500 didn't worry me too much, but the 5K, I went to our park run course, which has 500 meter markers, and I wanted to get used to just wearing my watch with the stopwatch face on, and then I just look at my watch every K to try and see how accurate I could kind of get marathon pace without looking at my watch's pace throughout that K. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I so like I'd you know I'd run and I'm like because I'm pretty dependent on the watch. Like I do a lot of stuff where I'll look at the pace during a K to see how I'm tracking and then to yep. know whether to pick it up or slow it down kind of thing. 
So it was, and that was even all over the place. Like I think I was right on 318 and then I might've run like a 312 and then, you know, a 320 and I was kind of, a 322 I think it was. And it kind of felt like I couldn't really lock into that at a right pace, which probably drained me a bit from going quicker and slower and quicker and slower. Um, so, you know, the fact that I was kind of, I felt like I was blowing a lot running a 1632 compared to when I did 5 by 5 k the week before and I was running, you know, 1620s and I had the brakes on after doing three or four of them. So, yeah, but you, you you G yourself up for those sessions. Like that, say a 5 by 5 k that is a session that you go into with adrenaline and and you want to nail it, everything's perfect, like you make sure it's great. Whereas you look at this session and it's pretty hard to get yourself up for a session mm-hmm. that's like, meh, in the middle of this and in the middle of that and it's a down week and I'm not really, I don't really care how it goes because it's not like, it's not going to tell me that much. So, um, And crap I, weather I, and you're on a dodgy, I 100% agree with you in hindsight now, but it was one of those ones driving away from the session just going, Oh, have I lost fitness? Have I done enough? And yeah, it kind of, I get you now, but at the time when yeah. it was just me driving home to kind of be, um, yeah, alone in my house for the day by myself on my day off work, it was a bit of a downer. But I, yeah, I'm with you now, and it was good to have, and I had that 10K just to go, yeah, that's behind you, get over it kind of thing. Yeah, you're coming off, you're coming off a massive high from that session, and now, and, and you come into a, a workout like this, like no one's going to, feel good doing that it's just like oh get this thing out of the way and that's even Um, what richard said like the fatigue i would have had in my legs after like because the week before i did that 30k um with the 20k at marathon pace afterwards kind of thing and like to have you know six big sessions like that in my legs i was i needed to have a kind of sluggish session session somewhere yeah yeah um and also like i've probably said it before but I, I didn't realize that five, like the 5K at marathon and then the 500s. But for me, like, I just don't think that you should be feeling good doing 500s when you're also doing workouts like five by 5K. Doing one makes doing the other, it's like two different sorts of processes going on. And you're building one process and at the other end, it's going to be less. Uh, it's going to be less sharp, obviously, when you're sharpening one end, not the other end. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's like I, would, like I would walk away from that and go, oh, well, this is almost a good sign. <laughs> it's a good sign because like, if I was do, smashing these 500s out, um, I'd think, oh, have I, re- have I sharpened the wrong end? <laughs> 500s aren't going to get you far when you're at the 32K mark. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I'm with you. I then, think it's important to incorporate those sessions for a bit of leg speed, but they're not the indicator yeah, yeah, of how you're exactly. going for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they play a part. Um, the next thing was, why haven't you worn your heart rate for the workouts when you have in the past? Yeah, I got, yeah, good pickup. I took that off. Um, I didn't wear, do you mean for the 10K hit out or for the one on the... I thought, yeah, for the 10K hit out. Yeah, because I took it off until because really on the like the when I was jogging on my like the Monday Tuesday Wednesday I just wanted to kind of go absorb kind of thing and just go on how the legs felt like I wasn't really worried about heart rate there and then the ten k 
I looked at it and then I looked at last year and I didn't wear it for the last year's one. So really the data, it would have been interesting to see what the heart rate was at at kind of 305s, but I didn't have anything to compare it with directly. And I guess, you know, 10K heart rate at the moment means nothing to me. Like I want to know how my heart's tracking when I'm running 318 to 320 kind of pace at that kind of marathon pace. Um, So yeah, there's probably not a lot of explanation in that, but it was just more of a... Do I put it on? Wow, got nothing to compare it to. Don't really worry about it. But it would have given me a good good reading for the future. But yeah, just left it at home. Um, yep. Yeah, that's okay. that's all that is too. Um, but yeah, kind of thought about it, but nah, just didn't grab it on my way out the door more than anything. It's it's easy to write. This, did this at tempo felt easy without heart rate there to back it up. Yeah, yeah true, true, true. I'd like to, yeah, yeah, true. It's easy to, easy to talk. <laughs> Say that on the podcast. Ran my 10K PB, easy, controlled effort. I was going to write that up there as like 10K at marathon pace two weeks out. Cheers. Um, (laughs) Now, I'd like to think if uh, like even like 8K, I peeled up next to the guy on the bike and just said, you know, if I wanted to, I reckon I could run this last 2K in about 5.50 and um, yeah, pretty chatty kind of the whole way kind of through and yeah, I'd like to think the two guys on the bike could clearly back up my opinions and my comments saying that it felt pretty relaxed. Yeah. But yeah, dead. What's really matter in the end? It's yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't making those comments trying to bluff everyone. That's probably more of my own um, just observation. So when I look back in the in the part in the future and see how that one felt. Yeah, it's a pretty fucking good. I, I didn't. I must have missed that on Strava somehow. It was a pretty bloody good session. I just saw it before. Yeah, it was a late upload. We did. I was parkrun run director Saturday. We had to bring a friend day, so that took up most of my morning. And then, um, yeah, didn't get out till about lunchtime, so it might have been a bit late for you to be checking Strava. Yeah, I was out doing – I was on the Surf Coast Century course. I heard watching, that. Uh, oh, yeah. Had, had someone send me a message just saying, you mate Julian's down here with the van. Oh, uh, yeah, good. It's trying working to, then. The, try, the van's working. Trying to flog off shoes again. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was just there, just a bit of, just a bit of brand, like a bit of brand, brand awareness. Yeah. No, I was helping out. I got a few um, friends that were doing the event, and um, so it was good to, good to get there and see them. A couple had really hard days, and then um, some guys had a great day. So it's, it's good to see. Yeah, that's good. Pretty good event down there, isn't it? Yeah, it's big, great trail, good good vibe. It's in my hometown, so I've got to get there. It's one day I'll do it, or at least do a relay part of it. The relays are good there. Yeah, I had a mate doing the relay, and he said they've, he's done it a couple of years down there. He um he said it's always good down there. Yeah, it'd be good. it would be good if you put a put a good team in because you get some good trail running teams like guys that are good in the trail running world. Be interesting to see a good road running team go down there. Oh, jeez. Four people in a team. We only need one more and we'll be right. Set up a podcast team. Yeah. Yeah. Fly, fly, back, be... fly Brad down. We'll get Cornsy. Cornsy can come. That'd be good. Although, we could probably find someone faster than Cornsy. Oh, he's not going to like that comment. He's an avid listener, mate. <laughs> Too far. He's got a 252 on the on the table at the moment. Oh, is that what you're saying? Oh, well, let's wait and see at Melbourne. I've got a feeling he's going to get carried away. 
What's um what's the time he's got to try and run to make the Surf Coast Century relay team next year? Two forty. That's I reckon two forty gets him in the team. Alright. He'll be digging deep past the shrine just trying to get in that team. <laughs> I'll get a kit made. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Alright, this week's topic. I've got some questions here, we've got to hum through these ones because we've been talking rubbish for uh for a while as we've been going. Um, this week we're talking about brain training. This one's coming from your mate, um, Chris O'Neill. Julian, down in Ballarat. That's him, isn't it? That, yep, Chris He's actually an Irish fella. And he's um, running Berlin as well. Run Comrades a couple of times. Well-credentialed athlete. That's correct. His question is, mental preparation for the race. Do you guys prepare mentally for race day and race execution in the final weeks of preparation? Good question. Good question. Really good question. Who wants to go first, boys? Brad. Um, yeah, so I guess, well, probably not so much in the last two weeks during taper, um, but the previous sort of six weeks where you're doing those big marathon-specific sessions, um, you know, I, I'm definitely thinking when it starts to get a little bit tough that, you know, this is how it's going to feel at 35K or whatever. So, um, I, I guess that's the main purpose for those sessions in a way. And I think I've said it in previous um, podcasts that those those really long sessions are often more mentally challenging than physically challenging just because they're so long. So, um, yeah, I, I do practice the mental side of it just by doing those sessions. Yeah. But what do you do? So what strategies? Um, oh, well, I guess... Um, you sort of touched on it before where those sessions you get in a race like state. So um, I basically prepare as if it is a race. So I guess there's more focus on nutrition and maybe like, um, like loading up the night before. So yeah, you just put yourself into the race situation in a way. Um, And that's why I, that's why I always find those sessions are often mentally they're hard, but you finish the session you're going, wow, I actually did that better than I thought I would. And I think it's because you've just, you know, pr- pretended that you're in a race situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So it's kind of like it's, you kind of have a dress rehearsal and training. So when it comes to race day, the mental stress isn't there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Julian, you're a bit of an expert. I started reading that book, the one that you recommended the other week, How Bad You Want It. It's a good read. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I, um, I've probably forgotten most of it. <laughs> I, I, I remember thinking, shit, this is good stuff. I need to come back and read this, like, close to, closer to the race. And then um, I've, I don't know where it ended up. I think I gave it to borrowed it, lent it to someone. But um, I think it's, like, again, really important, like what Brad said, practice being uncomfortable and just training yourself to be uncomfortable and not panicking. Um, and Chris is quite good at that already. Like it'd be hard for him to sort of get tougher, but you almost have to practice being tougher and accepting that this is going to hurt for a long time. And it's not a hurt that forces you to stop. It's a hurt that just builds and builds and builds to the point that you, you do want to stop or at least slow down. And um, you have to practice sort of accepting that and relaxing with, with those feelings of, um, I guess, uh, like 
it's it's fatigue building up and it's it's um, perceived effort though isn't it not fatigue isn't that how he describes that in the book that's not actually the fatigue that gets you it's the perceived effort that comes from the fatigue you well you're reading it right now so (laughs) you would know closer than what i know well he spoke about this is what exactly what you're trying to say that because in the first chapter he talked about like you've got to stay on the coals to get to your physical wall so like there's people who can stay if you think about um you know there's a gap between you and then there's a wall in 10 meters time and if you think about 10 meters away and you think about in between you and that wall there's hot coals and if you want to get the best out of yourself physically you've got to stay on those hot coals right up to that wall and that means you've got to your physical best whereas when you're suffering a race and when you're got those demons going on and that perceived effort's really high, it's much easier to stand up the, off those coals and not actually get to your physical best. Mm. That's well, what, that yeah. is probably, that is a good way to put it. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I can't, look, that, I can't remember that. I just know that there's plenty of times when I've been in that race situation and actually thought, this isn't even as hard as those sessions I was doing. Like, <laughs> this is not as bad as that. And that's where those sessions pay off the most, which is kind of like what you're talking about, um, is practicing or, or becoming maybe a little bit more uh, resistant to the, the heat from below. Yeah. I don't know. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, pretty much. Like, because you've done those big sessions, you've got that wall further away. So when you're walking on those coals towards the wall, that's not a huge drama because you've done it for... 35k three weeks earlier mm. but it's that yeah, problem that yeah some people can so i use the example that my wall might be 10 meters away and your wall might be 11 meters away meaning you're fitter than me but if you get off the coals at nine meters and then i can go all the way to 10 meters on my coals i end up beating you even though i'm not fitter than you yeah and he yeah, used that sure. example of um Kibeti versus sammy wanjiru in chicago marathon that, that was, was good. That was the whole first chapter about how Sammy had been out getting on the beers and just living the high life, and he wasn't as fit as Sammy uh, Kabetti, and then but he could just suffer way more than Kabetti could. Yeah, yeah, that was. I remember that now. Yeah, that was the very Mainly first chapter. Mainly because I love that, that race hook. so much. Oh, yeah. have you watched it on YouTube? It's unreal. Yeah, I watch it all the time. <laughs> Every Wednesday. <laughs> but this is also why I think a lot of guys who leave the marathon till late in their running career, don't do that well because it's like, don't do that well compared to how they've run the five and the 10 K because they basically approach the marathon. Like, Oh, this is what we do when we're finished almost working hard on the track or, or running fast. We can slow down a bit, just do more mileage. Um, whereas, and, and then when they do, um, and they find it harder to get closer to the wall because they've done it for so long in their career that they're like, oh, this is like, <laughs> nah, this isn't, this isn't what I want anymore. Like, I, I, this is hurting for too long now. And it's, it, I reckon that's what, what happens a little bit is if you if you're, spend a lot of time chasing 5 and 10K PBs or even going to championships and stuff in the shorter distances, and then you move to the marathon, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, we just see it a lot where someone will go out hard on a pace that they have the potential to run, but they drop off it quite quickly. 
Um, and they'll, they'd say a lot of guys maybe who have the potential to run 212 and, and they end up running 216. And it, I don't know, it just which is still a good time. But really, when you look at, the, if say they're a sub-28 guy, it's not that good of a time. Not yeah, for them anyway. Yeah, physical walls telling them that they should be bound, staying yeah, on that and, pace for longer. And they, yep, and they've, they, they haven't really understood that. Or they, they, the marathon will do that to you. And it's a different kind of like hurt. And it's a hurt that you have to accept and you have to just grit your teeth and get through. Um, and some guys are better at it than others, definitely. Yeah. So do you do anything? Because everyone talks about like, you know, we'll train on heels or we'll train at pace or we'll train at heart rate and all those kind of things. But what do you guys do, I guess, to – we know that the mind's such a huge um, part of endurance racing, especially in the marathon. So what do you guys do to train your minds to be able to be ready for that other than doing those big sessions that, that physically test you but then give you confidence? Oh, so training them – yeah, go on, Brad. Well, I think it's doing those sessions that gives you confidence to know that you can, I don't know, like, so for me, for example, and this is why I think last week when you said, you know, how long should a marathon prep be? I, before getting injured, I always wanted to have a long marathon prep so I could practice being uncomfortable in those sessions. And obviously, um, if you start a marathon prep 16 weeks out, you have more opportunity to do those uncomfortable sessions than you do 10 weeks out. Um, and so coming from the track, I found that those longer sessions have been the things that one have been the hardest to adjust to, but are also the things that I'm finding now are starting to, I guess, turn me into a marathoner. Um, if I look at my lead up to Canberra, I was doing my 4k reps at 325s or per K. And, you know, I got confidence from doing that. And then this prep, I'm now doing them at sort of, you know, quicker than that. So, um yeah i I don't know i I just find that those really those long sessions uh yeah just just turn you into a into a marathoner so and and to to me it's more it is more mental than physical um because when i was a track runner if i was running 320s for for 10k in a session like that was a that was a long session to stay focused for because when you're when you're doing you know if you're a 5k runner or 1500 meter runner most of your reps are like a minute long so when I was doing 30 minutes or 35 minutes at 320s, even though the pace for, for a 1,500 5K run is really slow, to hold that for 30 minutes or just to, to hold focus for 30 minutes was really was really difficult, even though physically it's pretty easy. Um, whereas now I can hold that focus for, you know, 70, 80 minutes, um, which I wouldn't say that I'm any fitter now than I was when I was a 10K runner, um, but... I can focus. I can focus for it longer. Hmm. Good. That's yeah. good. That's that is good. That's that's a good answer. Were you going to? Say, what do you do, Julian? Do you do like any like visualization or anything like that? Not particularly. No, I just uh, I always try to like I always just try to stay positive, and I think. They're like the key themes that I try to take into a, a race. Relax and be positive. And panicking is a big thing that, can, that doesn't serve any purpose. Like it's a very negative thing to panic and it's very easy to do, um, to wind yourself up into a bit of a tiz during a run. 
if say you miss a drink or a split goes wrong or like you, you or you get a stitch um got to go to the bathroom all these things can go wrong but with a positive like if as long as you stay on top of it you'll um by being positive and, and relaxing about it then uh they're probably the re- the reason that I focus on them is is the reason that so many of my runs have gone bad is because I've panicked during them, and and so that's why I make a real effort to to focus on on things like that is just relaxing, um, and if you relax and you don't panic and you if you have a hard spell you just focus on on a short little um, a little short term goal of say getting to the thirty k mark from twenty seven and. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Hey, I've come good again." Um, and they're the sort of things that I like. You can practice that in sessions as well. So, practicing techniques that get you through hard times um, in a race is important. It's probably not really like a brain training or whatever, but it is practicing mental techniques like that. That is though, because I agree with you. Like that mental preparation of. Um you know, getting to the, the every 5K where the drink stations kind of are. Like, that's a huge mental thing to – and it talks about – Um, I spoke about it last week when I was reading another book on it when I was doing those 12 by 1K reps that you just focus on every rep or focus on every 5K segment rather than worrying about what you've already done or worrying about what you've still got ahead of you. So when you focus in the, in the moment, it um, activates different parts of the brain and it's just more manageable rather than, like there's no way we can go through the 10K mark and then go, oh great, I've got 32K to go here. But it's easy for us to go, right, you know, from 10 to 15K, I've got to run 16.30, just break that down and get it done. Yeah, yeah. And for some, some uh, races that you might say, I've only got to run 16.30 and I don't want to go any faster. That's my goal. And then on for another race, it might be just get to the end, 16.30. Let's see if we can get to 16.30. Let's like, and, and so 16.30, can, it can all be relevant race to race depending on how you're feeling. And even within that race, the 16.30 split at one mark might be you putting the brakes on and at the other mark, it might be you having to work for it. So... Mm. Yeah. Do you execute any? Oh, sorry, Brad, go for it. You have something smart to say. Uh, I think I think a big thing about the mental training is is using past experiences to your advantage, and that's why I think sometimes in training those sessions where um, I remember you did one, Julian, a few weeks back, uh, maybe the uh, how many five k reps you did some five k reps where you felt really ordinary in the first couple of reps yeah. where you're almost going to pull the pin, and then it came good. So you've done sessions where you haven't felt great at the start, but it's ended up being a really good session. So if you're in a tough patch in a race, you go back to those sessions where you weren't going so great, but ended up having a positive outcome. Sure, so yeah. It, it, yep. is, it is really just using past yeah past experiences um, to stay positive. And, and you did it this week, um, Brady, where you went, I was doing K rep, 12K reps at you know 257s, and now I, I only have to run... 306s so that's going to feel really comfortable so you're using things that you've done previously to get you through um, a rough patch or to help you in a race yeah and another thing i've done in the past i did it before berlin last year as well because because you can't do super hard work you know two weeks out i'll often check my strava and i'll actually go through the marathon block and i might even jot down all the good sessions i've done 
So then I remember that stuff and it gives me confidence going forward rather than just thinking about the, you know, the kind of pretty weak sessions that I've done in the week leading into the race. So kind of jotting those down, look at all the Ks you've run, look at all the good sessions you've run. And really, you know, for me, come Berlin in two weeks' time, like I want to replicate how I felt in, you know, five or six of my sessions the last eight weeks. So to just have confidence that I've done it in the past and remind myself that just before the start line or the day before, the night before, is has been really valuable for me in the past. Yeah, cheers, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Thought we nailed it. Yeah. Next question. Next question. So I think we've kind of hit that. um, Yeah, but I really do, like Julian said it a couple of weeks ago with that um, How Bad Do You Want It book by Matt Fitzgerald. It's Yeah, I picked it up. I read another one. It was called um, The Runner's Brain by Dr. Jeff Brown, and that was good but pretty basic, and this one's, yeah, taking it to the whole other level. And what I'm gathering, they're all saying it's not fatigue that makes you want to quit and give you those negative thoughts. It's perceived effort. So whatever you can do to keep that perceived effort down, which is, you know, caffeine's proven to be doing that. And, um, you know, they talk about music or the crowd effects or the taper and all those kind of things. If you can keep that perceived effort down, you're going to be able to stay on those hot coals for a longer period of time. Mm. Rightio. Last question for the night, which is not a question. It's just a bit of a topic to talk about. Start line. So um, Luke Brophy I think, brought to our attention on Tuesday or Wednesday on Strava, Julian, um, when he listed the bib numbers. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. Did you know about that right before on. he put them on there? No. No, neither did I. I was just checking it at lunchtime work or whatever, and I was just like, oh, this guy knows something I don't know, um, which is pretty handy. What I'm going to do, though, because I've got a man on standby who's been there, done that, Josh Harris, and I'm going to chuck him in this chat as well. So give me two seconds. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this, this is how professionals say This is what happens. You interview Kane Corns, and then just stuff goes to the whole next limit after this. Then, yeah. yeah. Josh is Harris. he sober? Josh Harris. Don't know. That would be the first yeah. question for him. Let's see. Let's see. This is the first time I've done four-way on Skype. This could be real interesting. Um, it's not Brad. It's hey not boys, Brad's oh. <laughs> I'm going to say that stuff. Um, hey Josh, how you going? How you going? Oh yeah, sorry, just turn my volume up. All good. All good, all good. Hey, um, yep. have you got headphones in? No. Do you want to quickly bang some headphones in? Because I think I could hear myself talking in there too. All right. Um, I'll just find some. Josh is at the pub. And he has no pants on. <laughs> Not quite. That was the first question. Julian was going to ask you if you're sober. Um, I'm sober, but three-day bender over the weekend. Pants on or off? Uh, at some points on, some off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you sorted? Um, yep. We were just talking, mate. We've just been banging on for ages. But um, we're just starting to talk about this start line situation in two weeks' time. Yep. And you're, you're a man who's been there and done it from one end, and I've kind of been there and done that from the from the fast runner's entry point. So we thought we'd just get you on and kind of throw some questions at you as well, or you can just join in the conversation. But we're just saying yeah, that, um, yeah, Luke Brophy on Strava made it 
uh, made the point that I think I was bib number 119, Brad was like 130-something, and Julian was 44,227. Oh, yeah, that's that's not a good sign. Rough. <laughs> yeah, so that was a May situation. as well not show up. No, 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 it's definitely <laughs> not the case. But I reckon my bib last year was 40,000 and something as well. So, But you have sorted, you're have in the fast runners section now, yeah? Me? Yeah. Oh, I'm not. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the preferred start area which is like i think about 225 to to well basically it's anyone who's not in the um sub elite area yeah so group group a yeah group a yep yeah yeah. but didn't you say during the week that they had you as like first timer at the back of the pack at one stage i think they messed a lot of people up yeah so when they sent out the um instructions uh both myself ali we both got this first timer email um where we were starting an hour and a half behind everyone else, and then they changed it. We got another email later that night or, or the next day or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, Brad, obviously you got the same email that I did about the pacemakers and where to pick up your bib for the sub-elite guys and submitting drinks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've had a couple of different emails because I actually emailed – um, the elite athlete coordinator from Berlin before we received that email you're talking about, just saying that it was unlikely that I'd be able to race and, um, you know, I'd, I'd feel bad sort of taking a, uh, a sub-elite start when somebody else could use it. And I tried to pass it on to Julian. Um, and so, but, yeah, came back saying no go. So I sent her an email. I didn't get a response and then I basically the next day got the one saying that I was, you know, sub elite. But then I got an email saying, you know, go and pick your bib up from the expo. Um, so then I, I contacted her saying, so do I go to the expo or do I go to the race hotel if I want to grab my bib? And then she came back with, I'm confused. I thought you weren't running Berlin anymore. I said, well, I'm not going to race, but I still might want to have a run on the day. So where do I grab my bib? Um, and so she has said now that if I pick up my if I do want to have a run, I still have to go to the race hotel and pick up my bib. So it's a bit, bit confusing, but I, I tried to, um, yeah, tried to give my sub elite start to Julian, but, um, and I appreciate that. mate. Good bloke. Good bloke. <laughs> yeah. Very sure, good you, bloke. You, you did the same thing. I think so. I think I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the situation we're in at the moment though is, so, Brad, you'll be, if you're running and going to jog like you spoke about earlier in this conversation, you'll be going off the sub-elite line and Julian yeah. Julian, yep. Julian, will be right behind us, which I think I've spoken about on Stacks of Podcasts and Josh will agree. Like, when the fast runners went up to the sub-elite guys last year, it was like I could have nearly tapped Josh on the back of the shoulder. I was kind of two bodies back. That's The start line isn't a drama if you get in there all good. Yeah, definitely. But we, but we gave I've, each other a handshake. Yeah, Joshy, I've listened to your, uh, I've listened to your podcast about Biwa, and um, that sounded like you had a pretty nasty time in the same situation. Oh, that was Fukuoka. Oh, Fuku- um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fukuoka. They didn't budge on my PB um, when I entered, being slower than two twenty-seven. So I entered with a half marathon time going into that one, which uh, apparently a one hundred and five was worth worse than a 240 so ended up right at the back and there was nothing i could do about that one but yeah berlin was berlin was fine last year for brady and i seem to remember having a similar problem 
at the expo. Um, I I didn't know whether to get my bib at the expo or the hotel, and That's right. um, I think there were two. Yeah, there were two numbers for me, and in the end, it got sorted out. But it was a little bit of confusion there. Because really, you, you can't even go to the expo. Like I'm not sure because you went to the expo of us last year, but yeah. because you didn't actually have a start pass. I'm not sure like if I could even go to the expo this year because I'm not sure how, if I'd even be able to get in. Yeah, something happened there. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they, they didn't have me down at the expo, um, which I think they initially did, but they, they changed it pretty late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So I think, um, yeah, so especially if you can hook up with Christian beforehand. Like he, he met me at the front of the hotel last year. I think I spoke about this last week, and he got me right to that front start zone kind of thing and like you need to think there's not a lot of guys who can run in between 225 and 240 so that fast runner section that start line a or whatever is still super super elite and they pull them straight up to the back of the sub elite guys just before the start line yeah yeah I've, i mean i'm i'm cool with it mm. it's i've i've accepted it I, and it yeah i mean i'll be just be closer to the I don't need to be near a two hundred three guy, so it's not really the star position that I'm. I'm worried about. It's more like the extra cool shit that you guys get to do. Yeah. Like, well, we'll, well, assuming, yeah, well, assuming I am still a sub, assuming I have my sub elite beer, maybe we'll just drink the same drinks that day, Julian. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, I've organised a, a mate of um, the the podcast, Carsten. He's actually looking after me on the day, so. There'll be no need to uh, share drinks, mate. It's Carson's got me covered. Did you end up? Is he pacing on the bike? <laughs> yeah, he's got a bike too. <laughs> Did you send him an email? Yeah. Yeah, legend. Because he emailed the show guys, and he just kind of said, "If you need, I live in Berlin. Listen to the podcast. If there's anything you need when you get here, let me know." And then I just said to Julian, I reckon this guy would be an expert of the Berlin train system. Because remember, Laurel, your ex-girlfriend Josh, she got around to like four or five different parts of the course to see you, didn't she? Yeah, she did it easy. It might have even been six. Yeah, like it's doable. Mm. You'll get more drinks than I'll yeah. get. <laughs> well, I still might take yours if I'm in front. <laughs> yeah, you'll be, you'll be a couple <laughs> minutes up the road, so I'll probably will get there and there won't even be any there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's not a bad plan. So there's a few options for you there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorted. Like, I'm happy. I'm going to Berlin Marathon. Well, there's no point wasting mental energy on it because it's out of your control anyway. Yeah, I've already done that. (laughs) It is strange though, like, um, yeah, just looking up and doing a bit of my own research about who's got bibs in the 100 numbers and who who hasn't. It doesn't seem to be a clear cut, you've ran this time, you've qualified for a bib or not. Like, it's a bit sketchy. Well, it's going to feel good if I do finish in front of those pibs put it that way jeez he's throwing threats out there now fellas josh did you um did you enter berlin marathon like the rest of us where you know you entered like a year out or did you yeah okay because i'd love to know how what you have to do to you know make a call obviously if you run you know really really fast like 205 then you can probably make the call 12 weeks out from the marathon but um you know like how guys that are sort of our level um, get starts without entering a year in advance. I'd love to yeah. know. Yeah, it would be it would be very interesting. Like 
for example, if I was going there this year, would I be able to enter later or not? You know, like, it's a good yeah. question. Because, you know, like I'd love to go back next year, but then you end up like just forking out all this money and, you know, where it'd be cool to just go, all right, well, I'll see how well I'm running, whether I post a quick time earlier in the year and then make a call. So it's a, it's a hard one. Hmm, definitely is. Josh, tell us about that sub-elite setup on the morning because that was something I definitely didn't get to experience last year. Yeah, so basically uh, I didn't stay at the race hotel, but um, in hindsight there was an option that I could have. So I basically just went down there morning of the race, met uh, the elite guys, and they had some buses that uh, drove us up to the start area, uh, jumped in the bus, um, talked to a couple of familiar faces, and then um, we got escorted down into this section inside um, the park there. And there were a couple of tents. We just sat down in there and chilled out um, because we were there plenty of time in advance. And then uh, whatever time it was, the, most of the guys started to warm up. Um, the big dogs had their had their managers and all that kind of thing looking after them, putting their shoes on. And, uh, yeah, they, they went for a massive group warm-up. And, you know, it, I think I wrote somewhere, they were going six-minute Ks or slower. It was, it was an incredible sight. Um, and then... Uh, you go through your warm-up process, and then I think it might have been about 20 minutes before the race, They um, maybe 15, they escort us back through the fence. Um, you've got toilets and stuff like that in that area as well, so that's all pretty easy. And then um, there's a little grassed area. We did like a couple of little strides on before we were able to go out, and then probably 10, 15 minutes beforehand we came out, and that's when I saw you, um, was able to kind of touch you, and then we had the access to... Um, get out on the road and do a couple of strides before um, the big boys got introduced to the crowd. Mm, that's pretty epic when they introduce those guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, I reckon that's different this year though, Brad, because we just have to get our own way to the start line, don't we? Yeah, but it looks like it's only only a couple of K from the race hotel to the start anyway. Yeah, and it's just like a separate nice entrance on that map. Yeah, yeah. So, and when did you have to when did you have to submit your drinks, Josh? Um, I was tossing up whether to do it or not last year because it was a bit of a pain. Um, oh, because where I was staying wasn't exactly close to the race hotel and there were no um, no train stations within like 2K and I only found out that I had access to the drinks uh, the day before and I didn't really want to put an extra 4Ks on the legs so I didn't end up putting them out there, I don't think. Oh, okay. Interesting call, I know, in hindsight. I'm not sure what I was doing there. You carried a few gels, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I had, um, I think I had three gels, and I had I had plans to um, get some fluid in somewhere. I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, I probably didn't get as much in as I would have liked to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's all interesting stuff. And Berlin's pretty good to train in before the lead-up. You'd agree, wouldn't you, Josh, like the few days you get there beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then after being there for a week this year, finding that, that new spot to, to mix it up out of that airport, if you need to do something, then you can you can head out there pretty easy. But, you know, if you're getting in four or five days before the race, then that park's fine for anything that you need to do. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Any other questions from the expert at Berlin, fellas? Um, what nightclub afterwards? <laughs> I, 
We didn't go to any nightclubs there. We just had a few beers in the park. We went to oh, this, yeah? this park. Everyone was just sitting around in this park drinking beers with the medals around their neck. Josh, <laughs> Josh tried to fun, fight a guy but... telling him he ran 220. <laughs> Did not. <laughs> now, I remember that guy was giving us a bit of lip, though. Yeah, yeah. He he thought he was pretty good because he ran 320 or something. And then he's like, what do you boys run? Oh, yeah. 220, 221. He's like, oh, jeez. <laughs> Put old mate back in his spot pretty quick that day. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, we didn't really party last year. I'm hoping, um, hopefully, yeah. Christian's flying out the next morning, though, super early. He was telling me he could be a bit dusty for the plane ride. <laughs> sure, he'll be all right. All right. He's hitting some form, too, old Christian. Christian from Norway, one of our favourite listeners. Yeah, he's, he's going well. Yeah, I saw that that run he did. He was good. Yeah, he's come a long way. Um, Rightio, fellas, I reckon I'm trying to think anything else. We should ask Josh why we got him here. Anything about the course that you need to know, or how can I can't even um, remember the course? It's sunny, isn't it? You got seem to get a lot of sun on that course. Yeah, so it's hot. Uh, last year, that's very very true. Um, it was sunny out there the whole time, and from from the last uh, probably last 15k, it was it got a little bit warm out there. Um, I don't know if it's just a time of year thing, but when I was there in July, it was not very sunny at all. So um, I, I don't know if that that's going to be the case for you boys. Um, but yeah, we had good conditions for the most part, um, especially if you've been been training in some in the middle of the day or you know not in not in Launceston weather. That's for sure. But um, you boys should be fine. Well, Ballarat and Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> True. No. <you're- laughs> It's no issue. It's it really is no issue. Yeah, the um, running with the lead ladies. Uh, how's that? How's that? Because that's realistically where I'll probably end up. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a good question and probably one to not ask me because I was I was in front of them for the first probably fifteen eighteen k and then she came well, after she started talking to the group and. Like Brady said on the podcast last week, she just took off and I couldn't go with her. And the next time I saw her was when I went past her in the 42nd K. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she started dropping like like 308, 310s kind of thing. So Josh was always about 100 metres ahead of us early and I was in the lead pack with both those females. And then she just kept cranking it up and she I just watched her. She just went kind of straight past Josh and she was just, yeah, just taking heaps of um heaps of blokes out. Mm, yeah, I wonder how it'll play out this year. Yeah, who's the same ladies in the field? Cabetti. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I, I sent actually, that screenshot through to you the other day. Oh, that's her. And what's she? What's her PB? Oh, I don't know. I think she. I they always say they want to break two twenty at Berlin, the lead chick. So uh, I think it's. I think she was pretty disappointed her on last year, just missing two twenty. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that'd be a good one to get into. That's that's for sure. But Bring they, your own paces. Mm. Yeah, that would be putting me out of a job. Yeah, <laughs> you're heading back to Frankfurt, aren't you? We've Bikili again. Yeah, my girl over bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think well, it depends how they run it. Like you'd like to think it was a you know if there's a big pack of three or four feet lead females with three or four paces that's pretty um pretty good to sit in but as i said like last year it didn't really well when josh and i were the only two people together 
like through half, weren't we, Josh? Was that half? And then 25, you got me. And then it was pretty much nothing happened in positions since then. Yeah, it was a bit later than that. We had a solid group. Everyone kind of grouped together by the half, like your group, my group. Um, and then straight after that's when she disappeared. And we were together from, I think we were on our own together from about 25 through to about 33. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then from that, I reckon one guy passed me with about, I don't know, 800 metres to go. Like, it was pretty, you think going to Berlin, a massive marathon that you're going to have company the whole way and going to be racing guys, but um, I had the second lead female, or the second place female, she was probably half a minute behind me at one stage, and I could see Josh off in the distant, distant um, kind of ahead of me, and then that was about it. Like, it was pretty lonely kind of being a minute in no man's land around that, you know, 2.21 time. Yeah, it's it's a massive factor. And I reckon, um, you know, Berlin, if you get that, will be amazing. Uh, like, I had company in Biwa for 38K, and, you know, that was so much better. And I reckon that's one of the main factors. Mm, yeah, yeah, just, just getting cover. Um, yeah, sounds think, like we will, though. Yeah, I think this year we will. Like, I think there's going to be way more depth there. Because I come 37th last year, so last year was pretty soft. Like, to run, to you know, 221.53 at Berlin and come 37th, nowhere. Like, I looked up some past year results, and that wouldn't have got me kind of top 50. Because you've got to remember, um, oh, what was on last year, the Olympics? But no, that wouldn't have wiped out that many people. But, yeah, there just didn't seem to be a good European, you know, 218 or 222 group last year. They weren't trying to qualify for the Olympics, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty – I'm trying to think. Because there's no hills. Like, there's one kind of – like, you go over a bridge at maybe, like, 8 or 7K or something like that, and that's a tiny bit of a hill, but there's nothing other than that. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at the elevation profile right now from my – from my data and you know it's it's basically all between 35 and 50 meters but um it does look like there's a very slight kind of rise between 25 and 30 and then you lose that over the next 5k um so maybe that's why we start to hurt a bit in 25 to 30 there last year but i'm not too sure it's really it's not significant that's for sure yeah there's a red bull zone you can pick up a red bull at like 39k if you want how good was that do you had one didn't you Nah, but it just got me excited. It was just pumping. Oh, no, you had the beer straight <laughs> after. That's what you had. Just dropping yeah. back a non-alcoholic stein about two minutes after the race. <laughs> right, hey, fellas. I reckon that's a wrap. It's about 90 minutes. The listeners are going to be happy with that kind of content tonight. Thanks when for joining us, Josh. No worries. Safe travels, boys, and if I don't talk to you in person, then all the best. I'll be following it, that's for sure. Yeah, have a couple Thanks, of Josh. beers on the Sunday Arvo. Thanks, I'll probably be having a nap after a Saturday night. <laughs> How's that? Josh, scoot? you should, um, you you should go, take Brad. your scooter over and do the join the rollerblade, uh, rollerblade race <laughs> day before. Well, I was, I, was hitting, I was hitting some sub threes the other day, so maybe I could pace the lead man. Yeah. <laughs> Be curious, yeah. or get an, get an elliptigo. Yeah, pretty expensive though. Not really worth it for a couple of weeks. Who's gonna oh, win it, Josh? Imagine the chicks you'll get with that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who's gonna win? Yeah. Uh, I'm putting a line through Bikili, Um but I'm certainly not ruling Kip Sang out. That's for sure. Why the line through Bikili? 
Uh, the other two are just the most consistent runners of all time in the marathon. I just they perform every time, and so to see them race each other is going to be crazy. Mm. Yeah, good, good yeah. point. Good point. Bikili for the win. Bikili. <laughs> Bikili, yeah. Well, someone, oh, John Dutton reckons he heard him say something about running two hundred one thirty. Yeah, there was an article. Was there? Yeah, yeah, I didn't read it, but I saw the headline. What, and said Bikili wants to run 201.30? Before he retires. Oh, before he retires. Yeah, right. It's pretty uh, pretty moving, pretty shifting. Right out. Let's call it a wrap from there. Um, let's do it. Last week of training in Australia, and then we'll get over there. Right on. Oh, conf- See you, boys. Confidence in that voice. See you, boys. See you, fellas. See ya. See you, guys.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 